Well, hello. Um, man, I'm just caught up in that a little bit this morning. I'm not winning because I'm winning. I'm winning because he's already won. Man, that's good. God just dropped that in the bucket. That wasn't planned. I love when he does stuff like that because he just acknowledges I'm not very smart. Um, but man, that's the truth this morning. Can I just say that's the essence of the gospel this morning? I don't know what you've heard it preached or heard said, but man, that is the gospel this morning in its simplest form. I'm not winning because I'm winning, but I'm winning because he's already won. Can I just say this morning, if you've heard something else in the gospel, you don't have to clean anything up before you come. You don't have to fix anything before you come. You don't have to rearrange anything before you come. You can just come, and he'll take care of the other stuff because this morning we're not winning because we're winning. Amen? We're not winning because we're good, and we're not winning because we're clean, and we're not winning because we've got it all figured out. We're not winning because we said enough prayers. We're winning because he's already won. We're winning this morning because Jesus paid it all on the cross. And he took care of sin in total and shame in total and guilt in total on the cross. And when he said it is finished, what he meant is there's nothing left for you to do this morning. You're winning because I've already won. Man, that's good this morning. And I just, I don't know if I can get over that a little bit. But I'm going to try for just a minute and then I'm going to come right back to it. Um, but man, this morning we're going to be in First Peter chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, you can kind of get a head start there. Um, I'm just going to pray real quick for us. Um, Father God, this morning, just put us in that place of your spirit. God, this morning, we don't want to miss um, what you're saying or what you're doing. God, this morning, we woke up and we're here and we want to hear from you. God, and we are not going to stop until we do. God, I pray that any barrier over our hearts or any barrier in our brains, God, this morning, you'll just break that. God, you'll take it and you'll snap it in half because, God, this morning, what we need more than anything else is a touch from you. So God, this morning, just move in this place. God, open our eyes to the truth and the beauty of the gospel this morning. God, that we'll, we'll feel and realize and recognize and yield to this fact that God, it's not what we do, it's what you've already done. And God, this morning, that in that we can worship you because in that God is freedom. In that God is acceptance. In that God is worth. In that God is love. God, we're not working this morning to earn anything because we've already been freely given everything. God, this morning we need you and we love you. So God, pour out your spirit. Amen. This morning we're going to be in First Peter chapter 2. And I'll be completely honest, up until about 1 a.m. last night, I had no idea where we were going. I had two different things and I was kind of wrestling with them and struggling with them. And uh, I was praying and God put something totally different in my head. I thought we were done with uh, we are we the church. Sorry, I can't remember series names anymore. I'm getting old. Um, but, um, I thought we were done with we the church last week, and I was kind of prepared to go on to something else. And I was praying, God, what do you want that to be? And He was like, Hold up, there's one more. And uh, this morning we're going to dive into that in this series. And I'm so excited about this message because we've been talking about the past few weeks, like what is the church, and and then what is the function of the church. I know that maybe sounds silly this morning because we're sitting in kind of what we think of as the church, right? Some of us have been raised in the church and we think we know what the church is. And in reality, so many of us so often get it so wrong. We think that church is an organization or a place that we kind of come to. And in reality, church this morning is not a place or organization that we, we come to, but it's a group of people who are followers of Christ that we meet with. 
That's important this morning. I just want you to know that. You're like, oh, what's the difference? Because at the end of the day, we all still come to a building, right? Or we still come to a place, right? Or we still come to an organization, right? And that's maybe true, but I just want you to know um, it's such a fundamental shift. Because in reality, if we believe that the church is a building or an organization that we come to, that's where we can put all the blame, isn't it? Oh, it's those Baptists, or oh, it's those non-denominationals, or oh, it's those fill in the blank, right? Or oh, it's those people up there at blah, blah, blah building. And, and, and in reality, the truth of it is, is it's not a building or an organization, it's you and me. That we're the church. And in reality, if we're going to be the church this morning, we have to be willing to set under the blame of the church. Maybe we're a new church and we haven't done really anything to, to take on those stereotypes, but can I just say there is a problem in the church? Amen. Go to one. There's a problem in the church. Ask them. Ask anybody not in the church. There is a problem in the church. And until the church kind of owns up to that, we're never going to correct those because we're just going to put another building or another denomination up and pretend like it's all right and it's all okay. And the reality of it is we are the church today. And when I say we are the church, what I mean is you're not the church. Amen. You can't go off and be church on your own. You can't go connect with God more in the woods than you can here. That's not truth and it's not biblical. We are the church and what that means is we need each other. It's a you and me thing. It's not a you thing and it's not a me thing. It's a you and me thing. It's a together thing that we together make up the body of Christ and that entity is the church. And when we get that and we realize that we'll have a healthy church because we'll have a healthy view of church. See, the reality of it is when we come to this moment where we realize we are the church, then we have a responsibility today. The building doesn't have a responsibility. This used to be a bar, and when we leave, it'll probably be a bar again. Hallelujah. It's a building. Who cares? Amen. Might as well use it for something, right? But we... The people have a responsibility because we are the church. And looking biblically, the past few weeks, we've kind of come up with what some of those responsibilities are. And the first one is that we show up. Point A to the whole idea is that we're here because here's the deal. You can't be the church by yourself. We need you and you need us. And we aren't the church together unless we're together. Two is get involved. Amen. Can we just amen that? We'll be healthy when we all get involved. Until then, we're just going to sing songs and say some stuff. We're never going to reach until we all get involved. We're never going to be effective until we all get involved. It's not a 2 or 3 or 10% people thing. It's an everybody thing because here's the reality. If, if your body didn't get involved today, you'd be kind of frustrated. Like if your leg was like, I'm not showing up to work today. I don't want to do anything. And you're just carrying around this leg that's not doing anything. You'd be a little bit frustrated, right? Or like your arm was like, nope, I refuse to do anything today. I'm taking today off. Wouldn't you be frustrated with that? Because it makes life harder, right? Can I just say it's the same way in the church. If we're not involved, it makes life harder. And until everybody's involved, we'll never have our full reach and we'll never have our full extent and we'll never be able to minister in in the way that God has called us to. The reason the world's like, oh, there's a bunch of useless churches out there is because there's a bunch of useless church members. Because it's not the building, amen, it's not the organization. I know it's hard, but just take it, because I have to take it every time I study it. So I'm saying it out of love. 
but it's a reality this morning. The third is like we have to give. I know that maybe is a touchy subject. I'm not apologetic about it because I don't care. Because in reality, God talks about it, and I'm going to talk about it. But the third is that we give. To be a healthy church, we have to have money to minister. Money equals ministry. I know that's ugly, and that's maybe not something people want to talk about, but it's not about keeping the lights on. Because if we're not going to minister, we don't need lights. Amen? It's not about like keeping the water running, because the truth of it is, I'm not paying for toilets if we're not going to do anything, right? It's about ministry. There's a world full of people out there that Jesus said, hey, go reach. And you can't do that. I know it's ugly to talk about. You can't do that without money. So the third is we have to give. Fourth, we have to pray for our church, right? Man, I believe this is the one that we leave out so often, but it's so powerful. See, in reality, when God's people pray, God moves. You can read it all over the Bible. It happens every time. When we talk to God, God responds. And if we're not praying for our church, if we're not praying for what God's doing in this place, and really, I'll be honest, what our church does in the community, man, we don't have any power. We can sing the best songs in the world, and we can like, have the best speaker. We'll have to get a different one, but we can have the best speaker in the world. But it's not going to do anything if there's not some prayer power behind it. The next is we need to invite. It's your job to fill up the seats. It's not my job to fill up the seats. It's a us thing because we, right, are the church. See, it's so easy to set wherever. I've done it before and blame the preacher but not do anything to help. And it's so easy to sit wherever and blame the music because I've done that, right? Because I went to church and they sang all hymns and I wasn't okay with that. So I was like, oh, if they just changed music, they'd have more people. That's not true. If we'd invite people, they'd have more people. Because there are churches that sing all hymns that are very successful. Amen? And there are churches that never sing hymns that are very successful because it's not about the music. So... Our responsibility as a church member is to invite. And then beyond that, it's to love the people around us, not just to come in and out, but to love the people around us. God talks about love all the time. God is love. His people should also be love, right? And he says, love the people near you. If there's somebody sitting around you, love that person, right? If they walk in the door and you've never seen them before, love that person. We're bad at that because it requires us to, like, you know, talk to people and stuff. Get involved in meaningful community is the next one. Not just show up and do the thing and leave. Read Acts 2. What's the power of the church? The church is together every single day and they share everything, right? You don't maybe have to share everything, but you do got to be together sometimes. And what it's saying is get involved in meaningful community that we should not only come in on Sunday, although that's a great thing, and God says don't forsake the assembling of the brethren, but what is that? It's every time the brethren are together, be there. I'm not saying you have to walk in here every time the doors are open, but I'm saying if you just kind of fly in and fly out, you've got to get involved in community because here's the reality of the church. We need each other. And we don't only need each other for an hour and a half on the week. Right? We need each other when Wednesday happens or Thursday happens or Friday happens or Monday happens because that's the worst one, right? And life is hard. We need each other that day. And we're going to make some more opportunities for community. But can I just say, you can have community because you have somewhere to eat at. Amen. Community's not always sit here and read this thing and sing some songs. That's not what the church did all the time in Acts. Community sometimes is, my brother's hurting and I'm going to meet him at McDonald's. Or I'm hurting and I'm going to meet somebody at McDonald's. Or come over to my house because I want to get to know you and I love you. That's community and that's meaningful. And that's part of our responsibility as the church. And then lastly, like we talked about last week, work hard for unity in the church. 
In other words, we don't have time for division and fussing and grumbling and all that stuff because we're about the work of Jesus in this place. It's not about our opinions or our feelings, and if you make it about that, you're hurting the church. Jesus prays for unity in the church right before he goes to the cross. He says, God, make them one just like me and you are one. And you can't do that when you're mad at Job because they didn't speak to you on Sunday morning that time. So what Jesus is saying is part of your responsibility in the church is to work hard for unity in the church. And we've talked about that the past few weeks, and I know that maybe you hear that and you're like, well, I don't really like any of that. Because I hear that, and I'm like, I don't, I'm not good at some of those things, and I wish that that wasn't true, and I wish I didn't have to do that and buy into that. And the reality of it is this morning, you don't have to buy into one bit of that. Amen. You, you don't have to do any of that. You don't. God will still love you, and you can still come around, and nobody's going to punch you if they're working hard for unity in the church, so that's good. Nobody's going to scold you if they're working hard for unity in the church, and that's good. You don't have to buy into any of that, but can I just say this morning, you get to. Amen? Church is not confines and chains that God has placed on you. It's a blessing. Amen? When God saved us, part of the grace is that he placed us in the body of Christ. And this morning, we're going to kind of talk about maybe the other side of that package because God is never just to do this, do this, do this kind of God and I want you to know that. I think we've heard that maybe growing up or we've been in churches that say that, that God's all about if you follow these rules then he'll love you and I just want you to know this morning that's wrong. But this morning in First Peter uh, chapter 2, Peter is talking to the church and he just kind of lets them in on some of these beautiful blessings that it is to be a part of the church. This letter of 1 Peter is a letter written by the Apostle Peter. You know, the guy that walked on water? That's awesome. We have words here from the guy who walked on water. If you've not done that, then maybe you should listen today. Um, I will also say, because some of you might kind of acknowledge this in your brain, this is the same Peter that denied Jesus, right? This is the same Peter that three times before Jesus was going to the cross said, I don't know who he is, I don't know who he is, I don't know who he is. But isn't it amazing that he messed up three times in a row, denied our Savior right before he went to the cross, and then God says, but you know what? I'm so full of grace and truth and love that I'm going to let you still contribute to the story of God. Can I just say this morning from Peter's perspective, you're not really ever too far away to come back and be used. <clears throat> There's nobody God can't use. And he writes this letter to the church, and it's not like to a specific church, that's why it's not called like Corinthians or Ephesians, but he's writing to a collective of churches, a group of churches in Asia Minor. Now, if you can't find that on a map, it's northern Turkey. Um, it's not actually on the map anymore. Um, but it's this area of northern Turkey, and it's a bunch of different churches in that area. And he's writing this um, to kind of share with them what a blessing it is to be part of the church. And in verse 9, he starts out, but you are a chosen race. Now that's amazing truth right there, but unfortunately he starts with this word but, which is kind of like a pivot word, right? What do you, if you just start a sentence with but, hopefully you learned that in English a while ago, um, that 
it doesn't really mean very much. Like I can't just walk up to you out of nowhere and be like, but Jada, um, because you're going to wonder what I'm talking about. So let's just go back and grab some context for a second. And I'm going to really quickly read you some stuff from First Peter chapter 2. He says, So rid yourselves of all wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Now he's talking to the church here. He's not talking to lost people. So let's just acknowledge a couple things. Uh, wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander can all exist in the body of the church. Amen? And he's saying get rid of them. <laughs> rid yourselves, not, oh God, help me be less evil. But I realize who you are and what you've done, so I'm going to quit being an evil jerk. So he says it can exist in the church, but it shouldn't. And he says, uh, so rid yourselves of all wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. And then he says, here's how you're going to do it. Like newborn infants desire the unadulterated spiritual milk. And what he's saying here is we should want the word of God. That's a newsflash to the church today, can I just say, because we are as a whole, not just in this building, maybe everybody in here reads, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, we're biblically illiterate people because we don't read the Bible. We let somebody read us the Bible once or twice a week. And he's saying, if you want to get rid of these things in the church, uh, wickedness, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, you've got to read the Word. Because until you read the word, you'll never know the word, you'll never submit to the word, you'll never be changed. And some of you guys maybe got saved and you're wondering why you're still uh, wicked and evil and blah, blah, blah. I used to do that too, don't worry. I'm still like that some days. Um, but God's working on me. Here's why, because you don't read the word. And he says, like newborn infants desire the unadulterated spiritual milk, read your Bible, so that you may grow by it in your salvation, not grow into salvation, but that you wouldn't just stay at the cross forever is what he's saying. See, salvation is a process like we talked about a couple weeks ago. There's a moment of salvation, and then there's sanctification, which is the process he's talking about here. We grow in our salvation, we become more like Jesus, and then at the end of that, there's glorification. We leave this place and we go to heaven. And what he's saying here is if you want to be sanctified, made more like Jesus, read your Bible. It's amazing. So he's saying read your Bible so that you may grow by it in your salvation since, here we go, you have tasted that the Lord is good. Salvation is just a taste of the goodness of God. Amen? It's a taste. Some of you forgot because you haven't grown. He's saying, come back to the ice cream shop, right? Come and taste and see again that the Lord is good. You, you don't just have to have that one shot at salvation. And for it says, coming to him, salvation, right? Coming to him, we've come to him. Here's him, a living stone. It calls Jesus here a living stone or that rock that we were just talking about. Rejected by men. We didn't want him, right? We crucified him, but chosen and valuable to God. Here's the truth. Men didn't want him. God did. Doesn't matter what people say about you or think about you or how they treat you. Doesn't matter about any of that. That does not reflect what God thinks about you. Your value doesn't come from the people around you because it didn't work that way for Jesus. It's rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God. In five, you yourselves are living stones. That's you guys. It's already an image. Jesus is a living stone. We're a living stone. We're already being made like him. We're already declared the same as him. We are as living stones, and here it is, being built together into the spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here's the church. He's not talking to individuals today. He's talking to the room today, so don't pass it off. He says, we're living stones like Jesus, and we're being knit together, built together in a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
It's not a building or an organization this morning. It's a group of people who are followers of Christ meeting together. And then he drops in this scripture from Isaiah 28, I think it is, and it says, Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and valuable cornerstone, and the one who believes in him, we've already changed it from a rock to a person, will never be put to shame. He's talking about Jesus here. And he says, So the honor is for you who believe, but, here's that transitional word, for the unbelieving, for those who don't believe, the stone that the builders rejected, Jesus, this one has become the cornerstone or the foundational stone or the starting place. And a stone that causes men to stumble. You didn't think that, did you? See, the reality of it is, man, for the church, for the people who believe in Jesus, Jesus is the starting place. He's the foundational moment of life and life more abundantly for everybody else. For everybody who doesn't believe, for everybody who doesn't submit, it says this same stone, the same Jesus causes men to stumble. And he's a rock that trips them up. It says they stumble by disobeying the message. Here's how. They stumble by disobeying the message of the gospel. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race. Can I just say today there are two types of people in the world. It's a very black and white thing. There are the people who know and follow Jesus, who believe on this cornerstone, this foundational moment, this starting place, and then there's everybody else. There's not a gray area with Jesus. I think a lot of us want to live in kind of the tension of the gray area, but the tension of the gray area is there is no gray area. You do not get to heaven by being a good person. You don't get points for that in heaven. They're going to be, as as Rick said Thursday so eloquently, they're going to be a lot of good people in hell. Amen. You you don't get points for that in heaven. They're going to be a lot of moral people in hell. Because, see, the reality of it is it's not a good or bad thing. It's not a wrong or right thing. I'm a bad person, but I'm going to heaven. It's a do you believe or do you not believe? And the reality of it is this morning, the people that believe are everything we're about to talk about. And the people that don't are lost and hopeless and on their way to hell. And there is no gray area this morning. There's no in-between this morning. And, and, I, and I know that maybe sounds a little bit harsh this morning, and we're about to talk about grace, but here's the reality. You will never understand grace until you understand what grace does. See, without Jesus, we are hopeless and helpless and we are destined for hell and we aren't going to make it into heaven because we said a prayer sometime or because we come to church a whole bunch or because we're good people. The only way into heaven, the only way to win is to trust in the one who's already won. I'm not winning this morning because I'm winning. It's not a possibility. I'm winning this morning because he has already won. And everybody that doesn't trust in that and everybody that doesn't lean into that and yield into that and give into that this morning is lost. And it doesn't matter how good you are, how much you come to church or how much you pray, you either believe or you do not believe. And that is what he's saying. See, the reality of it is the same stone causes two things. He's the same for everybody. It's how you respond to the stone. 
You can build upon the stone because he's the starting place or you can fall right over it on your face. But he's the same stone for everybody. And he's saying, everybody that doesn't believe and disobeys the message, they're all lost but you. But you, the church, but you, the people of God, but you, the people who say, I'm saved or I know him, but you guys, you're a chosen race. Man, that's different, isn't it? That's better, I think. I can be separated from God forever, and I can go to be in hell. Uh, I can do that, or I can see him, and I can believe, and in that moment, I'm placed into this category of a chosen race. Now, we think of race all the time as like this thing that divides us, right? Like some people are white people and some people are black people and some people are whatever other color people that there are. I don't know. There's, it's pretty much all similar skin tones to me. I can become whatever I want if I stay out in the sun long enough. But um, we divide based on skin color a whole lot, right? But it says here in, in the Bible that, that we are all lumped together as followers of Jesus as a chosen race, that it's not actually <laughs> lumped together anymore by skin color or where we come from or what culture we're from or how we talk or how we look. But we're placed into a culture or a group or a, or a race or a people group, right, based upon the blood of Jesus. That's amazing to me because in the church we still like to divide, don't we? We have little cliques in the church, little groups in the church. We're like, oh, these are the people that are hipsters and they go to hipster church and these are the people that are like uh, proper and they have the ties and stuff and they go to like proper church and these are the people that are kind of in between because they don't know which category they fit in and they go to like this kind of church and and we kind of divide based upon money and groups and we still have, I don't know why the church is the only thing in America that's still segregated really, to be honest to me. It doesn't make any sense, but we, we divide based based upon all these different things. And here, again, through Peter, Jesus is preaching unity. He says, you guys are a chosen race, that you're, you're all knit together, not by what you look like or how you act like or what group you fall into or how you talk or how you dress, but you're, you're grouped together by the blood of Jesus. And what that means today is, man, in our diversity, we can have unity through the blood of Jesus, that we can look different and act different and dress different and have different talents and abilities and different thought processes and different backgrounds. Some of us can wear ties if we want to and some of us can wear skinny jeans if we want to and that's all okay in the church because we're not lumped together by how we look or how we act or how we talk but we're lumped together through the blood of Jesus. Amen? And that's beautiful. But I think the amazing thing is not only that God has put us into a group together but it says that we are a chosen race that we are chosen that this morning we're not here uh, under the blood of Jesus because we decided to step into the blood of Jesus amen we didn't just come to an intellectual decision that was like oh I believe that he's the son of God because that man made a compelling argument and then I come down front and I gave my life to Jesus because that sounds great but we are here today in the church not because we decided to be in the church but because God decided to place us in the church see the reality of it is that's a fundamental shift because if you decided to be here you can decide when not to be here and you can decide what to do and you can decide how involved you want to be and you can decide to to either give in to the church or get out of the church you can decide all that stuff but if God has placed you in the church and if you didn't have anything to do with getting here the reality of it is this morning you can't just decide to break away from that amen 
See, in reality, it was never our choice to be part of the chosen race. It was God's choice. And the amazing thing about that is nobody snuck in the back door today. Amen? You didn't just barely, like, skim by into, into the church today. I'm not talking about the room, by the way. I'm talking about those that are called by the name of Jesus. There's people probably in the room that are not. There's people in the room that are. And I'm just saying for those of us that are this morning, you didn't barely make it into salvation. Amen? You didn't just like scoop by and skim by into salvation. There's nobody who sneaks in the window to salvation. Amen? If you are saved this morning, can I just say God chose you? You didn't choose him. If you know Jesus today, can I just say before you ever knew him, he knew you. See, that's important this morning, and I want you to know that because some of you guys are so down on yourself, and I'm like, oh, I'm not worthy of this, and I'm not good enough for this. Amen. No, you're not, but it doesn't change anything. Because in reality, it's not you who saves you, it's him who saves you. It's not your intellectual decision followed by a moral and good life that pulls you into the body of Christ. It's Jesus who is the head, and he says, I want you. I want you. And this morning, I just want you to know, man, if you are saved, if you know Jesus, you have been chosen. And what that means is quit beating up on yourself and kicking yourself and acting like you're worthless because here's the reality. God wanted you or he never would have chose you. God picked you. He, he wants you. And if he didn't, he would have left you on the sidelines this morning. You didn't crawl in the back window to salvation this morning. God picked you out of the window. This morning, for those who build their life on the cornerstone, can I just say, you are chosen. Yeah, you're knit together and you have stuff in common, but can, can I just say, the main commonality this morning is God wanted you. I don't know if we're just not excited about that or what, but I'm, I'm a little bit pumped about that, so I'm just going to say it again this morning and hope it hits. The main commonality we have this morning is God wanted you. God chose you. You are chosen. You didn't choose. You're not the chooser. You're the choosee. God wanted you. And it says, man, it's a blessing because you're not here because you want to be here. You're here because God wanted you to be here. And then he goes on. He says, you're a royal priesthood. Okay, that's great. Amen. Whatever that means, I'm a royal priesthood. That's great. Um. We know priests um, are people who serve in the temple, right? You go back and you read the Old Testament, there's priests, and those priests have specific jobs and specific things that they do. And just like that in the church, we have a role to play. There's nobody who's a royal sitter, by the way. Nobody who's a royal fried chicken taster. Nobody gets that job. That's not your job in the church. You may get to do that, but that's not your job. But it says you're a royal priesthood. And what it's saying is, man, together we're all, we all have a commonality, and that commonality is we're chosen. But here's another commonality. We all have a job. Every person that's part of the body of Christ has a job in the body of Christ. God doesn't just pull people in and be like, ah, you just sit there. I don't really think you can do it. I don't think you're cut for it. I don't think you're good enough. I don't think you have any talents. I don't think you have any abilities. I want you, but I just want you to sit because you can't really do anything else. That's not part of the deal. 
See, the reality of it is, man, it takes a lot of parts to make this body go into motion. It's not just like the arm doing its thing here this morning. There's stuff in the arm. Maybe one of you medical people can talk about that later. Um, But there is stuff in the arm that makes the arm do the stuff. And can I just say it's the same way in the church. It's not one person. You may see one person, but all the people behind the one person are the things that make the one person successful. And I'm just saying, everybody has a role. We are a royal priesthood. But what it's saying here is not that we are a priesthood to royalty, although that's true. But it's saying we ourselves are counted as royalty. You are a royal priesthood. And just like in any family, we have chores, right? Maybe some of you guys, your chore is to take out the garbage. Maybe that's your thing, or you mow the grass, or whatever your deal is. We got stuff to do in the house, but here's the reality. We are all in the house. Because of what Jesus has done, because of the cross, we are all adopted, right? Read the Bible sometimes, good stuff. We are all adopted into the family of God. And what I want to say this morning, above anything else, yes, we do need a job in the church, but man, it's beautiful because we are adopted into this family, and we are sons and daughters of God. Amen? You, you didn't just make it in as a slave. It's not like, oh, just come in the house of God and do some stuff and we'll pay you some attention every once in a while or we'll tell you what to do. That's not the deal this morning. We didn't come in here to serve from a position or a stance of slavery. We come in the house to build up the house from a position of sonhood and daughtership. Amen. We are sons and daughters of God through the blood of Jesus. You have been adopted. Not only are you chosen, which is great and amazing, but when you're chosen, you're called into this moment of you are a son or a daughter of God this morning. Man, that's beautiful. God wanted you in the family of God. Isn't that good? God allows you not to come in and to just be like, you know, this, this little kind of side thing in the house, but you are a son with the position of sonship or a daughter with the position of son, daughtership in the house of God. Amen. When it says that we're a royal priesthood, what he's saying is you are royalty this morning. You are in the family of God. That's part of the deal when you step into the blood of Jesus and the church. Not only are you chosen, but you are a chosen son or daughter of God. And then it goes on. It says a holy nation. Man, that sounds cool. Whatever that is, you're a holy nation. And we know a nation's like a group of people who are together in the same spot, and we won't really dive into that. But there's this word in front of it, holy. Now, the first thing we think about when we think about holy is set apart, right? That we're a set-apart people, that we're a different people, that we're kind of placed apart from the world people. And that's true. We're not supposed to, like, be part of the world and blend in with the world. God didn't just call you to look like everybody else and be comfortable all the way through life. We are supposed to be a different people. But that's not what it's talking about here. Look up the definition of holiness. And there's a couple down through there. Uh, But one of those definitions of holiness is sinless. One of the amazing things about God is he is holy in his sinlessness. That God is so set apart, he's so different, he's sinless. That God doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't have errors in judgment. That God is completely and totally without sin. And that sounds great, but if you're like me and you've been saved and you're in the church, you know that I'm not very sinless, right? Are you sinless? Do you just all the time perfect? Maybe I'm just preaching to me this morning, but I'm not. And we can look at that and we can be like, oh, maybe I messed up something. Maybe I messed up the prayer or that's not the deal. 
Or maybe I'm just not involved enough in the church. That's not the deal. See, the reality of it this morning is not that we are sinless as in we don't do sinful things, but it's been that we've been declared righteous through the blood of Jesus. That we, God looks at us not as our sinful state, but he looks at us in our forgiven state. And when God looks at you, he's not following you around the house with a list full of all the times you messed up, like making the book out. But when God looks at you, he's not following you with your past. He's not following you with your today. He's following you with forgiveness, that you are a forgiven people. Isn't that amazing? When you come under the blood of Jesus, you're coming under this idea that you are forgiven. That's part of being the church. That's part of being called and saved and set apart. And in this group, you're not only chosen and you're not only a son and daughter of God, but you are a forgiven people. Can I just say that again this morning? Because some of you guys are still carrying around shame and guilt, and you're like, oh, I'm worthless and I'm useless. You're forgiven. God's not coming at you reminding you what you did yesterday. Amen. God's not coming at you reminding you what you did six weeks ago or last year. He's not coming to you bringing your past day in and day out. When Jesus saved you and he covered you in his blood, you become a forgiven people. You are forgiven. God's not coming to you empty-handed this morning and be like, oh, come and do everything I want you to do. God's coming to you open-handed this morning. He's saying, I called you, and I put my name on you, and I forgave you, and he's not even done yet. And he says, you're a people or a people for his possession." It's like God just comes around on the backside and he's like, just in case you didn't get the chosen, we're three words later and I still want you. I picked you out, I called you, but in that I just want you to know you're mine. That I'm taking you. I'm taking all of you. I'm not just taking the good stuff. I'm not just taking like the Sunday stuff. I'm not just taking the you had a shower and you put your tie on today stuff. I'm taking all the stuff. You're a people. All of you that know me are a people for my possession. And what God is saying in that moment is you are valuable to me. You are valuable. Isn't that beautiful? You're not worthless this morning. You're not useless this morning. And it doesn't matter what the world says about you or what the family says about you or what the friends say about you or what anybody else really says about you. It doesn't matter what work says about you. It doesn't matter what your bank account says about you. I just want you to know this morning from the mouth of God, when he chose you, he called you, and he called you his, he says, you're valuable to me. You're worth something to me. You're not only chosen this morning, not only did I call you, and not only did I put son and daughter kind of on the end of your name, and not only did I say that you're forgiven, but I just want you to know at the end of that, you are also very, very, very valuable to me. So valuable, in fact, that God gave who? His son. One of a kind Jesus, right? You're so valuable, you've been bought with the only one of a kind thing in the universe. God didn't pay for you with gold because God can speak the stuff. It's not really that valuable in the economy of heaven. He didn't pay for you with diamonds and money because I'm just going to let you know. He can make as much of that stuff as he wants to. He made it the first time. He can make it the second time. But there's one Jesus. 
The Jesus who was in the beginning and who will be in the end, he's, he's alive forevermore. Like he wasn't created, he's the creator. And he stepped down and he gave his life, he spilled his blood for you. And in that, God puts on you this little stamp and he says, valuable. I died for you. Okay, can we just maybe, can we, that, that means I'm chosen, I'm a son of God. I'm forgiven. And I'm valuable. Could you just maybe say that? I'm chosen together. Let's just go for it. I'm chosen. You can play son or daughter, whichever one you are today, I guess. I'm a son of God. Let's just go for that. I'm a son of God. I am forgiven. Let's try that. I am forgiven. And I am valuable. Let's just try that. I'm valuable. Man, that's reality this morning. That's not based on your opinion this morning, and it's not based on anybody else's opinion this morning. That's what God says about you the moment salvation steps into the room. He says, for those of you that know me and have given your life to me, I'm that stone. I'm that stone where you can place your worth on. I'm that stone you can build your value on. I'm that stone that you can build your self-image on. I'm that stone where you can build what you think about yourself on. I'm that stone where you can place your forgiveness on. You can put all your sins and all your shames and all your guilts, you can lay it right on top of that stone because I'm that stone and I can bear that. I'm the chief cornerstone. You can bet your whole life on that. You can build everything you got around me. But for everybody else this morning... You're going to come to the stone and you're going to fall over the stone on your face because there's only two things you can do with that stone. You can build your life on it or you can trip over it. And he's saying this is the blessing of the church. This is, this is the blessing of the church. You, you, maybe, you maybe don't even get that all the way to get to Today. But the reality of it is, man, this is the taste, right? This is where I come and, and I pray for forgiveness. And in that moment, forgiveness happens. But let me just say, there's a life you can live and build around in that place. And that is a life where you are chosen and you are forgiven. And you are a son or a daughter of God and you are valuable. You can build your life on that truth because that is that cornerstone. Man, it is a blessing to be called, and it is a blessing to be declared valuable, and it is a blessing to have the name son or daughter of God placed on your life. It's a blessing to be pronounced forgiven. There's no point in the world where Jesus says, oh, thanks, you're mine now. You prayed that prayer, and I kind of caught you in this catch-22 where now you don't have to go to hell, but you're my slave forever. There's no point in that. And if you're thinking that and that's the way you view it, then maybe, just maybe, you've never tasted. God's not trying to beat you into submission to get you in the church. He's saying, come and see. Come and see what I've done and come and see who you are in light of that. And some of us look at that and we're like, oh, but man, that's a lot. That's, what do I have to do in response to that? Let me just say, here's why God did that. He tells us, because some of us are going to play that game with him. Here's why God did that, because that's a lot. It says that, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. And here it is, so that you may proclaim the praises 
of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why did he do that? So that you may proclaim his praises. I love that word may because some of us read this like, oh, God saved me and he called me and he, so that I have to proclaim his praises. You got me. Oh, he saved me and he called me so that I should proclaim his praises. You got me. It's not what it's saying. It's not even actually saying so that you can, right? See, the reality of it is there's a lot of us who don't know Jesus who have the ability to praise God. But this word may is a different word. This word may is a permission word. That's why like when your teacher does that whole weird thing in school and you're like, can I go to the bathroom? And they look at you strange. They're like, can you? And you get really annoyed. What, what they're asking is, do, yeah, you do have the ability to go to the bathroom, or at least I hope you do. They're waiting for this may because may is a permission word. And what it's saying in this is, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you have permission to proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, the reality of it is this morning, church, we have the perspective all wrong because we come and we're like, oh, I should go to church today or oh, I should give or oh, I should raise my hand because I mean, that's kind of true this morning or I guess I have to wake up early or maybe I should go greet or oh man, I have to get up and I have to do this thing today. No, you don't. You don't have to do a thing and if that's your attitude, never, ever, ever worry about coming in. Never, if that's your attitude, never, ever, ever worry about giving and never worry about community and never worry about all that stuff because if that's your attitude, you never got it in the first place. See, the reality of it is when we are people that have seen this cornerstone and we see that, man, in light of what he has done and what Jesus has done, he has called us a chosen race that he chose us and he placed son or daughter on our life. He says, Brad, you are my son Put your name there. When he looks and he says, you are forgiven. See, I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that I never should have been forgiven. I don't know where you are on the I'm a good person and I work really hard thing, but I know I'm nothing compared to him. And when I see him, all I can think is I never should have been forgiven. I never should be here. I never should be allowed to sing these songs. I never should be allowed to see this God. I can't look at that and be like, oh, I should do this. The only response to that is, may I? May I come into your presence? May I lift my hand and worship God? May I cry right now because I see the grace that you've given me. May I bow here at your feet because I know that I shouldn't even be worthy to get down here. But may I bow at the feet, at the foot of the cross. Can I get down here? May I serve them. May I show them. May I tell them. May I go. 
May I meet, may I come. You see, it's not a have to and it's not a should when you see that grace. It's a man, I'm so blown away and I know that I shouldn't be anywhere near you and I'm just waiting for permission and the moment you give it, I'm running in. Because in you, I've found value. In you, I've found worth. In you, I've found forgiveness. In you, I've found a place. I belong. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says about me. Because you're the creator of everything. You place all the value. They didn't make anything. They don't get to tell me who I am. So, may I? And at the cross, he says, now you can. Oh, yeah, it cost me everything to let you in. It cost me everything to let you in. I gave everything to say you're valuable. I gave everything to be able to say over you forgiven. I gave everything to call you mine. You are that valuable to me. I gave it all, but now you may. See, the reality of it is, church, we've got it all wrong when we say, I have to or I should. And if that's our attitude, the question this morning is, man, what stone are you building on? What stone are you building on? You building on the stone of your parents? You building on the stone of religion? You building on the stone of trying to earn something? Are you building on this chief cornerstone? See, the reality of it is that prophecy, the stone the builders rejected, we look at that and we're like, oh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jews. The reality of it is if you're not building on it, you are the builder. Today, whatever you're doing with your life, you're the builder. And if you don't build it on Jesus, then you are the rejecter. But this morning, because of what he has done, he's saying, you can come and build here. You can come and build here. You're declaring worthlessness over your life. What stone are you building on? You're declaring, I can't be used over your life. What stone are you building on? Are you rejecting Oh, I'm not valuable. What stone you got? God doesn't want me. What stone are you building on? I'm not forgiven. Who are you to say that? A. And B, what stone are you building on? So here's the question this morning. Um, what are you building on? Are you building on the blessing that it is to know Jesus and to step into his body? Are you building on, I'm trying to earn it, I'm trying to do it, I'm trying to get there? Because there's no gray area. It's either I am winning because he's already won, or I'm not winning at all. Let's pray.